0: topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera.
1: Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. That's right, Christians with Torah, the Beit Tahila Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick.
2: I am feeling much better this week, thank you.
1: Yeah, last week, um, he kind of hung me out to dry a little bit and just made me kind of do everything just, on my uh, own.
2: That was tough. It was. I was detoxing. And, you know, and I'm yeah. feeling that way a little bit today, you know. I think you're doing better than I am. Uh, well, then you, you were. A lot better.
1: Then you were, for sure, because I've had extra days. You know, you, you get off caffeine,
2: everybody. I tell you what, it can turn into like an exorcism. Yeah. Like well, Linda Blair, your head spins all the way around, and it's terrible. That's... It's terrible, you know, and it's a drug caffeine's a drug well, so is sugar okay. right so
1: with it, today's it's a like l- you're
2: addicted you know you got to have my caffeine you know then when you get off it
1: oh yeah then you're like an addict messed up This horrible well today is the the fifth day of a Alul five which means it's the fifth day of the daniel fast and so that's right for us oh yeah man we dropped bread we dropped caffeine dairy we, we sugar, dropped dairy meat we, sugar meat all in the same t- day you know what I'm saying? It's amazing. Well, it's just, you know. It slows everything down. All I
2: can. And you got to check all the ingredients. Oh, man, gosh. You know, like Amy's has these burritos that are like in the health food store or whatever. They're in the frozen food section. But you can get some of these, like the bean one is like there's no sugar or cane juice. Yeah. But this other one had cane juice in it. Yeah. So you got to kind of look at the ingredients. So what I like about it is it kind of slows you down. It makes you look at all the ingredients. I was looking at some, some tomato soup and different types of soup and uh, actually there was sugar in the in this in the ingredients and mm. i couldn't get it
1: but, yeah that messes you up like peanut butter you know like pff, wh- you know tomato sauce why is there sugar in you know, I don't know marinara i mean it just is what it is i guess i guess i get it somebody's grandma has a really good recipe that has sugar in and i know out there listening to us but here's the deal we um, are doing it for the right reasons, and I think that's that's the big deal. So even though I don't feel amazing today, I think that this Torah portion is amazing. It's going to make up for it. And I'll make up for last week. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to make up for last week, because last night I had to do all this, so now I'm going to let you yeah, explain good. some that's, of this stuff. Oh, yeah, we're going to bring it, bring it home. Are. So we are studying the Torah portion, Ki Tetsay, which means when you go out, um, and this is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21, and verse 10 through chapter 25 and verse 19, and right out the gate, Mike Cromwell last night blew my mind a little bit with this kitetse thing, showing that the equivalent of this was the Greek word apostello, which is where you get the word apostle from, and an apostle is one that is sent out, right? So that yeah. goes and declares the good news, right. and it's sent out. So I thought that was pretty interesting, kitetse, when you go out...
2: So, yeah, so we've got Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 10 through chapter 25 and verse 19. And so basically when you go out, so this is where we get this portion because I, I'm going to go ahead and read those, those four verses just so we can put it in context here. It says here, uh, when thou goest forth to war, see, when you go out, against their enemies or against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, and thou hast taken them captive. And seest among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her, that thou wouldest have her to thy wife. Then thou shalt bring her home to thine house, and she shall shave her head, and pare her nails. And she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her, and shall remain in thine house, and bewail her father and her mother, a full month, and after that thou shalt go in unto her, and be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. And it shall be if thou have no delight in her, then thou shalt let her go whither she will, but thou shalt not sell her at all for money. Thou shalt not make merchandise of her, because thou hast humbled her. Man, I'll let you tackle that one. That one's You know, this is interesting when you talk about, you know, conquering and, and different things, you know. Um, a captive woman had to shave her head and pair her nails, or actually make her dress them, before becoming a wife. Uh, the captive woman... Uh, shall mourn for her parents for a full month. So this goes back to like, to conversion. You know, somebody that's absorbed into Israel, they have to meet certain requirements. And so with this particular instance, you know, uh, we see where a uh, a woman that was spared could be actually taken as a wife. Um, and so in the in the situation where they slay all the males but not the women, it's kind of interesting. But if the women were seductive, or they were involved in prostitution or I guess providing bad seed in the earth you know it's, it's not a genocide it's just eradicating evil yeah. you know that's why God even said I'm giving you the promised land so you can push out the enemies right you can push out evil you know it's interesting Ryan because we all started in the garden we got kicked out because of a snake the enemy so the enemy always wants residence in the land he does and he's surrounded by enemies israel is the the you know we've got the uh, Hamas, we've got hezbollah, we've got the p l o and they're just enemies all around. I call it the devil's triangle but but the bottom line is that you know these are these are rules uh that we have to follow these are just guidelines and uh
1: you know what I, it's obviously um is is in some form or fashion an acceptable practice, but like if I'm an Israelite man, I ain't marrying no foreign woman after we conquered you know what I mean I don't think you know got to like hide the knives and stuff. I mean, one day I'm going to wake up. Should be standing over my bed? Well,
2: that's a good point. You know, what, what comes to my mind, Ryan is because they married foreign wives and they weren't like assimilated, they, they went astray right. and served their gods. You know, that's what happened to Solomon, yeah. you know, and, and to be unequally yoked, we're going to talk about this later in the Torah portion, but I want to bring out a good point, you know, because they took foreign wives. That's why there was even the Babylonian captivity and the temple destroyed. Right. They took foreign wives. There was a lot of uh, corruption and different things. And God just shut the whole thing down. He just shut it down. And, and you can go back and look at it historically, though. What was the culture? What was going on? And so Nehemiah comes along, the great wall builder. And by the way, he built the walls up in the summertime. And it was completed in the month of Elul. I believe 52 days. Build that wall. Build
1: that <laughs> Boy, wall. Isn't that
2: relevant for today? Build that wall. They have proven that walls bring security. Okay. It's, it's a fact. It's public records that walls bring protection. So Nehemiah rebuilds the walls as they come back from the Babylonian captivity, and then he just loses He starts pulling hair. He gets so livid because they they went back to foreign wives. He says, you cannot do this. This is what puts you into captivity. This is what took you out of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, taking foreign wives, being unequally unequ- yoked, you know. And that's the biggest problem that... that Israel is having even today is of course assimilation and that's the that's the enemy of today is assimilation let's all get along let's all keep our peace you know let's all tolerate everything and that's why Christianity is being attacked as being racist or bigots or prejudice because now we have morals yeah we have a moral compass and now they want to come after us because we believe in morals and values in in honesty uh, and they want to come after us and consider us part of the far right now. Yeah. Christians are the the part of the far right, right wing, right wing anyway. Yeah. And start calling us out, you know, yeah. Uh, Sin is sin. Yeah. You know, whether it's drunkenness, unnatural love, whatever it is, lying, Sin is sin, and God tells us what sin is. That's why we love the Torah. The Bible tells us uh, through the Torah and the Torah portions. He shows us what
1: sin is, and also the Torah means teachings and instruction. You know, some sin um, have, you know, some sins have intrinsic consequences, meaning that you know some of these things that people are doing, we can see how these things are affecting people in a negative manner, right? So we can see this, the depravity that's happening here in the United States overall. Um, is not a good thing we 're looking you know at fatherlessness we 're seeing you know the way it has affected the nuclear family and how that breakdown of god 's you know, design has created other problems or unintended consequences that maybe people weren 't thinking of when they were thinking oh it 's okay, you know what I do in my bedroom or what I do in, 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 in this place or that place that 's my business, and you just handle your business right. you know and unfortunately, it's just not that simple. Um, you know, the, the intrinsic consequences are, are there, and they're real, and they affect a society on a systemic level.
2: You know, Ryan, I'll tell you, it's so true. That's why we just have to be honest with God. You know, if you failed, you failed. I can tell you how many times I get on my knees and bow my head and say, you know, Father, I, I dropped the ball, I lost it, you know. And, and he forgives. He really does. But you got to go through the motions, you know. It's interesting, too, because in the book of Leviticus, it's broken up into two parts, Chapters, of course, 1-17 through is the way to God. Chapters 18-27 to is the walk with God. And in Leviticus 18, just to get off course here a little bit, uh, those are secret sins. So we cannot walk with God with secret sins. We think we are, we want to, but you're really not walking with God. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So just keep that in mind. So we're going to move on here. Uh, If a man had two wives who both bore him firstborn sons, and one of the wives was hated... Um, the son of the wife that was hated got the double portion of all that the father had. So once again, people want to know, well, what's this two wives things? What's going on here? I don't want to know. Ryan had some good good ideas and things and, and input, <laughs> but you got to go back to the culture and different things. But absolutely, uh, the way we look at it, you know, uh, Isaac was the only one that had one wife, and it, he it really worked out good for him. Well, and he was the look at all the trouble seed. that Jacob got into, or even Abraham. Yeah. With the two wives. Uh, so there's a precedence here that the son of the wife that was hated would be the heir to those things.
1: And I think I made this point last night, but the one of the things about this is that if this is a protection for the the son who is the rightful heir... That he can't be slighted just because the father doesn't, you know, necessarily. No, that's a good favor. That's a good point. Who's the heir? Right. Exactly. Right. And that, that he would get his inheritance whether or not the father was pleased with the wife or not. Um, and then also talking about, um, you know, multiple wives and things like that. Um, God has a a perfect uh, design for marriage. Um, we see it in Adam and Eve when God creates Adam and Eve, and that it's one man and one woman. We see in um, the requirements to become an elder. The, the you know, elders and deacons have to be husbands of one wife. Um, and so we know that the, the multiple wife thing was allowed, especially in the time period that it was allowed in, because they were replenishing the earth. You know It's a, an economic model for you know, providing for um, these women and for the children and so on and so forth, a, a way to work together in an agrarian society. Um, we don't live in that world now. We, praise God, have the option to do things um, in God's best design, which is the way he originally created and designed marriage for us.
2: And you look at the 12 tribes, they had four mothers and one father. So it's a mixed family, yeah. you know. And, and it could be for re- reproductive purposes, progeny, you know, to put forth children out there. Right. God wants righteous children, you know. You know, if you look back at Genesis 3.15, that there's enmity between the seed of the woman and, the, and, and Satan— so Satan does have seed. Now, you can spiritualize it or, or whatever you want to do with that. You can figure it out or, or not figure it out. But that's what the word says. Satan has seed, and it's not good. Uh, and we, we don't want to get into all that in Genesis 6 about the Nephilim and the fallen angels and all, that, sh- all the shenanigans that was going on, all these things that were happening that were not kosher. They were not good, folks. Uh, it's all right there, and that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing a manifestation of that even in our culture today, even today some crazy things happening. Uh, so once again, uh, the son of the wife that was hated, he would be the uh, heir of the double portion. Uh, that makes perfect sense. That's kind of cool. Uh, and then of course, we're going to move on here. Uh, could children be stoned if they were stubborn and rebellious towards their parents? Yes. Survey says, yes, they could be not. It's not been documented that this was ever done, per se, uh, that we know of. Um, but once again, uh, you got to understand this, of course, the uh, fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, once again, we're talking about divine order here. So if you have a a husband who's the spiritual leader and the wife who's under the covering of her husband and the children follow suit over a giant, like a giant umbrella, you know, uh, divine order really works. We can see when divine order is broken, um, bad things happen. You know, uh, I've actually uh, dealt with some people that uh, are dealing with their, Uh, A certain culture that you just can't kick your children out, Mm. you know, and and so once again, like I said, uh, there there's a lot of things to consider here. But I want to read uh, Second Timothy three. It says here that uh, what's going to happen this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents unthankful, and holy without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Boy, is that even our culture today. So I wanted to point out disobedient to parents. You know, the parents can say, and the mama can say to the children, you know, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Um, we're seeing a lot of, uh, rebellion in children. You know, we have a curriculum, we have a biblical way of raising our children. Uh, there's actually a gentleman by the name of Reb Bradley. I highly recommend his resources in biblical child training. Reb Bradley. That's right. Old school, buddy. He is excellent. So with that, you know, we're witnessing, uh, there's actually a prophecy that says women and children will rule over you. So it's kind of like a breakdown of society and the divine order. So, gentlemen, remember this. We broke the earth. We, we broke it. We, we've broken this earth bad. Oh, yeah. Broken, broken, broken. And so it's our responsibility to fix it, to be repairmen, handymen, to restore these things. You know, uh, I came from a dysfunctional family. I know what it looks like. I know what it's like. And boy, it doesn't taste good at all. No. Taste of the Lord, He is good, and so He has blessed me with a wife and children, and and we have divine order in our home. And I'm telling you, there's no other way around that. So once again, children should never rule you, and if you have rules of your house, people have to follow them. You know, uh, even if you're a roommate or whatever it is, there's got to be the rules of the house. So important, you know. Red Bradley even shares a story about, and that's the resource that we really encourage you to get into. He actually had to kick his own son out for a month and he came back and asked for forgiveness and he took him back in. But he literally had to kick his own son out and it just broke his heart, you know, because he wouldn't follow the rules, you know. And so that's why we got to be very careful, you know, how much we let our our, our relatives get away with, you know. Uh, So that's that's another lesson. So once again, uh, children should not be stubborn or rebellious towards their parents. You know, It, it goes into greater detail about. They're a drunkard and a glutton and all that stuff. So, you know, that's not good. No, it's not. You know, I really appreciate Josiah and Nehemiah. They're going to school and they're working at Chick-fil-A and they're also participating and serving in the church. So they're not, you know, they're not gluttons or, or bibbers. you know. Yeah. So I appreciate that in them. And they're setting that, that you know, that precedence or that example to their other siblings. So let's move on here. Uh, I'm going to let Ryan look up Galatians 3.13, but here's an interesting uh question was it okay to leave a body on a tree overnight wow mm-hmm. look at that the crucifixion is in the torah that's right i mean that's unbelievable and so uh many different cultures use crucifixion but the romans they were experts at it uh they used it quite frequently uh so was it okay to leave a body on a tree overnight uh, no no
1: so how about, did you read Galatians 3.13? I, I did, ready? It's, uh, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. And then here's verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And um, you know
2: what, real quickly here, just and you can input this. Let me give one more reference, John 19.31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And so once again, they were going to go and break Yeshua's legs, but they didn't need to because he had passed away. But once again, they realized the Torah that he could not remain on the cross, on the tree,
1: on Sabbath. Yeah, or overnight period. Right. Um, you know what's cool about that—that that Christ has become the curse of the law for us. I think this is a, a key point as we read through this, and it's 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 interesting that that's the cross reference here, as we kind of end this section. You know, we talk about um, the captive woman, we talk about the son of the hated wife, we talk about um, stoning stubborn children, um, and so there's a lot here. And what's interesting is when we read through the Torah, and especially, um, you know, as we we finish out the next few Torah portions, we it becomes very clear that there's, there's blessings and there's curses and there's blessings for obedience and there's curses for disobedience. Um, and what I think is amazing is that, you know, some of the curses are, are intrinsic, right? As we've mentioned before, that sin has intrinsic consequences, but some of these consequences, they come from God himself. And those of us that believe in Yeshua, our sins have been wiped clean, wiped away, a clean slate why? Because he took upon himself on the cross our sin. And so he's taking the punishment that we rightfully deserved according to the scriptures we're reading. And and was a propitiation for us, was a replacement, was a, a stand-in, so that we are able to continue in His righteousness. So now we die with Christ, right? And we put Him on, and that is how we are seen as righteous to God. You know,
2: what, what stands out to me, though, Ryan, is 3,500 years ago, God is bringing up crucifixion. Yeah, absolutely. He's actually bringing up crucifixion.
1: It's the end from the beginning.
2: So my thing is this. Let's say you're, you're, you're a Jew, and you see this. And yeah, you look at it like, oh, this is a form of capital punishment or something. But it's not really rendered that, that I know of in the Torah, that the Jews were to put a body on a tree overnight. I don't know. I don't believe it's to be so. Yeah. So here we have an example of Yeshua right there. Right here. I mean, that's mind boggling. It is. Because, you know, you're either excommunicated, thrown outside the camp, or you're stoned. Yep. Or I think it, there's, you actually burn with fire. There's some references to that kind of judgment. Wow. wow. But the bottom line is that, and that's probably where a lot of these people get these things from, uh, as far as capital punishment. Let's burn their bodies to a stake. Let's put them on a tree. You know, let's do this. Let's do that. All these forms of capital punishment. But we do see capital punishment in the Bible. We do see that there is capital punishment. And there actually is no prison system. Now, there are cities of refuge you can run to, but there's a judicial system to hear your case or whatever. So we're going to move on here into, of course, the commandments in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 22. We're going to get into some commandments here. The Lord commanded his people to return their neighbors' lost possessions if found. Wow. You know, when people say the Torah's been done away with. Yeah, that's done away with. You
1: know? That's finders, keepers, losers, weepers. You know, I've
2: got a Bible here that belongs to a gentleman. Uh, and I look at his name, but he hasn't been back, and we might need to give him a call and try to find him and say, hey, you know, we have your Bible. It's yeah. nice. They're, Bibles are 40, 50, 60 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, yeah, give the possessions back if you find them to others. Boy, that's the Torah. Oh, you just did the Torah.
1: You just did the law. Oh, you're under the law. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 you're in bondage. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> now, it is important to help your neighbor when he was in need. You know, uh, it's interesting. This guy was. Uh, I guess he was riding a motorcycle or maybe he was riding his bike. I don't remember. I think it was a motorcycle. And he noticed the backyard was on fire in his house. So he jumps off his bike or whatever. He gets a neighbor's water hose. and He starts trying to put out the fire. I mean, you know, that's, that's a neighbor. Someone that's near, someone that's close to the situation. So it is important to help your neighbor when he was in need. Um, A woman was not allowed to wear men's clothing and a man was not to wear women's clothing. Once again, a clear distinction. Isn't that interesting? You know uh, and so here we have a culture you know uh, that's going on and uh, people don't even know what what sex they are they want to be a male or a female or female or a male and they're born a male but they want to be a female they're a female they want to be a male and so we see this so God is making a clear distinction here a woman was not allowed to wear men's clothing and a man was not to wear women's clothing so cross-dressing was a thing back then huh I guess so. I mean, think about it. So he brings this up 3,500 years ago, and look at what's happening today. Yeah. How many of
1: these things are we really violating,
2: even in ignorance?
1: Well, I think we're going down the list and just checking the boxes. Hey, let's break this command. Hey, let's break this command. Right. Hey, so break remember this command. now, these are the last words of a
2: dying man. Moses is going to go be with the Lord, and he's got about five weeks to write this book of Deuteronomy, a book of remembrance. So he's compiling, he's putting on, I'm sure he's inspired. He knows what he's doing. And it goes on to say here cuz these are like little bullet points. Hey, remember this, remember this. It is not okay to take the mother bird out of the nest to keep, but you can keep the young. Why? So the mother bird can reproduce, you know. It's like the golden goose. The golden goose is giving you eggs, and then you just you cash in the golden goose and you have no more golden eggs. The old golden goose story. It was commanded to put a railing around your roof so nobody could fall off. Boy, that's great. That, that sounds like smart. common sense. Can you imagine you just go up to your
1: roof and have one too many? and Whoa! Do You know how I know it's not common sense, though? Because God had to put it in the Bible. This is true. He had to put it in here. Somebody didn't do it. So it was
2: commanded to put a railing around your roof so nobody could fall off. You know, Mike brought up a good point in the uh, tabernacle furniture. Oh, yeah. There is, a, there is actually a railing. On each of them. Around the uh, altar of incense. Table of showbread. There's
1: There's two on the table of showbread. There's two
2: on the table of showbread. A hand breadth of distance. You know, lay your hand down. One wall and two wall. So if if Trump says, let's build that wall, we could build two. Oh, I see. And then if you fall in between the two, we call that the DMZ, the demilitarized zone. A place where you don't want to be. So something to think about. So the table of showbread had two, actually... Uh, had two railings around it. Moving on here, I'm, I'm going to have Ryan go to Second Corinthians chapter six, verses fourteen through sixteen. This will be our co- cross reference for Deuteronomy twenty-two, verse ten. This is what it says: "Thou shalt not plow with an ox and a donkey together." Wow. So basically, Ryan's going to go ahead and read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter six. Verses 14 through 16, and this will give you a better illustration with Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth.
1: Have you ever felt like an ox plowing with a donkey? That could be tough. (laughs) I'm just saying. I mean, think about being at work, you know, and trying to plow something. Well,
2: you're going to hear 2 Corinthians 6.
1: All right, let's hear it. 14 through 16. Go ahead. All right, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath that believeth with an infidel? He that believeth with an infidel. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people.
2: You know, Ryan, I have to say the greatest thing in my marriage is my wife and I spiritually are yoked together. Amen. So don't be unequally yoked. You know, it's kind of like the Hebrews, of the Christian faith movement. You know, it's caused a lot of controversy and a lot of division and and enmity only because a spouse wants to do their Hebrew roots, but the other one doesn't. Yeah, that's tough. You know, it's like, hey, I want to do the Torah, the other spouse doesn't. So here's the thing, you know, don't or, go or your children into a, don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, don't go into a missionary marriage. Well, you know what? I'll marry them, and then I'll get them saved. I don't recommend that. You need to be equally yoked. So that's important, everybody. Remember mm-hmm. that. You know, spiritually like-minded. You know, it's interesting. My wife and I, our differences are in everyday life, you know, and, yeah. and decision-making and choices and things like that. But when it comes to church or the Bible and spiritual things, we're both spirit-filled. We, we speak in tongues, interpretation of tongues. We, we love the Torah. We love Hebrew roots. We love the feast days. So we're, there's no division between her and I at all, you know uh, except maybe the details of marriage and responsibilities of each spouse, you know, but these are things that we're all learning, you know, and that's the thing, you know, uh, as we move forward. So once again, don't be unequally yoked folks. Don't get sucked into that. It's not worth it. Amen. It's not worth it. So what was to go on the four corners of your vesture or your garment, Ryan fringes, Zitzi. You want to share that with everyone? Zitzi. A little something about the seats, the fringes.
1: Well, you know, I was talking about this last night, and one of the cool things about being from the nations and being a Fraim is we're not necessarily um, you know we're not we're not bound by um, the religious traditions of other groups or other tribes of Israel, right. Amen. And so um, if you see, you know, the seats that are traditional, they're all white. But clearly we read in the scriptures that there needs to be a thread of blue. That's and, right. And we know that, you know, this thread of blue is is the word there is Tachelet. And they had lost the source of Tachelet. So they had abstained from using, um, you know, a stand-in blue, so to speak, until they could find the Tachelet. And, and it is uh, my understanding that they have at this point found the Tachelet. But one of the cool things is... You know, everybody has that, that look on the zitzits of, you know, you have the one blue thread and then the rest are white. Right. But because we're from the nations, Right. you know, and because we represent Joseph, who had a coat of many colors, we get to have whatever smorgasbord of colors we want. You know, we can have a lively uh, set of colors on our Zitziot, you know, which is... That's interesting. Uh, Why don't you tell
2: a story about going to the Bible Museum and meeting the Jewish scribe? Tell tell that story real quick, and then we'll move on. Yeah, that is an interesting story. It's a good story.
1: So I did. I went to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. This is a couple years ago now. And I was was in Washington, D.C. I knew that it had just opened, so I wanted to go over there. And I'd heard about a scribe that was, I think he was on the fifth or sixth floor. And he was there with the Torah scrolls, and he was literally sitting there Scribing a Torah scroll, like, like, see, that's what he's doing. He's the, he is the exhibit, right? That's right. And, you know, people would come by and they would, um, and he would make, you know, their name in Hebrew on little cards and pass them out. And, you know, I sat there for a while with him and I, I saw a kid come up and, you know, it just so happens that, um, we're on the Torah portion right now where the half tour skips Isaiah 53, Right. Um, and this kid came and was presenting Isaiah 53, you know, wounded for our transgressions, right. you know, pierced for our, our sins, and the chastisement shall be upon him and all that.
2: So you have an evangelical witnessing to a Jew.
1: Right. Well, and he's like a 15-year-old kid, so I was actually right. pretty proud of his boldness. I mean, I understand the that, you know, he's probably a little outmatched from a, a scholarship standpoint, you know, and, and it wasn't necessarily— I don't know if
2: I want to go up against the scribe.
1: Well— it... <laughs> You know, especially when we're talking about, you know, Torah things. So I'm sitting there with them and I'm talking. I tell them, you know, hey, you know, we, I'm from a, a congregation out of Brandon, Florida. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we are, you know, a Hebrew roots congregation. And so I, I pull out my, because I tuck my Zitzits into my belt. So I pull out my seat and I uh, show it to him. And he starts to tell me about how we're forbidden from wearing Zitzits. The Gentiles. And, right, right. Gentiles are forbidden. And yeah, from like, what is this? And from keeping the, the Sabbath um and things like that and i was just i was astounded and you know he was mentioning that in uh i guess his reference point for the sabbath being forbidden for us to keep which is if we're turning on light switches off and on on the sabbath then they check that box like oh you're not actually keeping the sabbath it's okay right but that's a good point but um you know, he was making the point that in the story of Noah, it says that the, the nations did not rest. And then it kind of goes on and, and that word is Shabbat. So they get that from there. Right. Anyway, so I asked him and I, and my, my question to him was more, you know, Hey, listen, you're, you're a Jew, right? You're uh, from Israel. You're a scribe. Can you, can you just help me understand? Cause my understanding when I read the scriptures is that you are supposed to be teaching Torah to the nations. You're supposed to be bringing that light of Torah to the nations, and yet... Good point. We're, we're being told... Yeah, the Christians don't even know the Torah. That in orthodoxy... They're not learning it. Um, that we can't even do the things of the Torah. So how do I reconcile those two, right? And, and we talked for a little bit, and he didn't have a uh, you know a super satisfactory answer for that. I think that you know it, it's just part of the dogma. But you planted a seed. I did. I did. I even invited him to come and hang out with us for a little hey, bit. Hey, you never we know. Could, we might get the scribe here. Yeah. It could I, happen. He told, He gave me his phone number and said, call him. I'm so telling you what. Maybe I think, we'll do that. I think he's... I think he moved on to New York. I think oh. he's back in New York now. I think they have a different scribe there now. Okay, cool. But
2: So let's move into, uh, of course, we're still in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 through 30. Uh, these are in regards to sexual matters. So a woman who was hated and accused of not being a virgin had to prove it to her husband. Okay. Uh, a woman who was hated and accused of not being a virgin had to prove it to her husband. And, of course, the... Um, The punishment for the husband if the accusations were false was that he was to be chastised and give a hundred shekels of silver to the father of the damsel. Uh, The punishment for the wife if the accusations were true would be that she was brought to the door of her father's house and stoned to death. So once again, Ryan, you want to share how this was actually proven in those times in that culture that she was a virgin? What was the custom?
1: Um, well, I've heard several different things, um, but one of them was that uh, they would um, consummate the marriage on uh, a sheet or a tallit, and that um, that would be given as proof to the father. Um, but um, you know, more than than you know the how or whatever. Because I, honestly, I, it's not a custom that we really practice, you know, here in the United States. Right, and, and we're not really familiar too much with it. And I think almost you know our culture almost frowns on it, which is probably not the greatest thing because it seems pretty clear that um, this, is, this is supposed to be a thing. But I think what the more important piece is is that there was a deception that's happening here. Um, and that's the reason why the punishment is so severe is because the goods were misrepresented and, um, and she misrepresented herself and possibly the father may have misrepresented her as well. Yeah, because the punishment for the wife, if the
2: accusations were true, would be that she was brought to the door of her father's house and stoned to death. Yeah. So think about the punishment.
1: Which is not good. And so it makes me think of, um, you know, Joseph and Mary and how, um, you know, when we look at these things, that the Torah, when it comes to these commandments, can we stand on ceremony and demand our rights and demand that people receive the punishment and, and, you know, that they deserve, so to speak? Yeah. you know, I, I would think prior to Yeshua, maybe that's the case. But even Joseph and Mary, Joseph uh, loved Mary. And he, when he found out she was pregnant, obviously, you know, that's not, you know, and she was already betrothed He's to him. He was going to divorce her privately. Right. So he was going to yeah. put her away privately. Um, and that way that she was not going to be Because what was the punishment like for that? adultery? Stoned, uh, also to death. stoned to death. Yeah.
2: Deuteronomy 22, 30, or 23. Yeah. So go ahead and take it from there, Ryan.
1: Yep. All right. So uh, where are we? We are on. A woman about a betrothed woman had to cry out. <coughs> right here we go. All right, so a betrothed woman had to cry out if a man tried to lay with her in the city, so that she would be innocent of the charges of adultery. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting. I think that's obvious. Hopefully, she'd be crying out on her right. own anyways. Um, if a man lay with a virgin, he is obligated to marry her afterwards. I think we were talking about this last night. That well, scene- I think
2: about your first girlfriend yeah that's supposed to be your wife
1: yeah that's yeah. amazing yeah well and, and you know if we were to to take these types of things seriously like we should um then we would not be doing those things um and i think that's an important you know concept to keep in mind that you know god has a better way and i think that's just the bottom line um the man had to give the father of the virgin 50 shekels of silver um and it was not permitted to marry your father's wife Wow, so um, clearly There's a lot of stuff in there. These are sexual matters. <laughs> yeah, they are, and and the you know the bottom line is I think God has a, a again a design for how things are supposed to go, and the reason that these things are mentioned is because people were doing them, and it had to be addressed um, in the scriptures because of that. And so I would say that if we stick with God's plan, um, everything will be fine. This is true. So
2: once again. Um, It was not permitted to marry your father's wife. All right. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 1 through 8. Persons excluded from the congregation. Once again, persons excluded from the congregation. Uh, Could an illegitimate child enter the congregation of the Lord? No. No, he could not. So define for me illegitimate, Ryan. Uh, What is this? What is this? trying to tell
1: us i would say in this case the the child that is the product of adultery or the child that is uh the product of out of wedlock marriage or out of wedlock very good uh, out of
2: wedlock and of course um an ammonite and a moabite were not allowed in the congregation of the lord now this is kind of interesting because what if they converted maybe it's like they can't come in as an ammonite or a moabite is that is that Ethnically, or is that, you know, religiously? Because I'm just wondering if if because Ruth was a Moabite, she was. she got absorbed into Judah, and right, she did. into the Commonwealth of Israel. So what I'm thinking here is that if a person converts,
1: perhaps there's a you don't know, have to look into that. Maybe there's a yeah, there's a clause there. There there possibly is, and it talks about to the tenth generation, right?
2: Right. Deuteronomy twenty three seven: Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite. For he is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. Mm. Wow. So here we have the Ammonites, the Moabites, who are of course, descended from Lot. And then we have the Edomites, descended from Esau. And then we have, thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. All right. All right. So here we go. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and take the top of that page there and...
1: So it says here, an unclean man was allowed back in the camp in the evening after washing himself. There you go. Just a state of being. It is a state of being. So what's interesting about this is, um, you know, those of us that, that read Torah and study Torah, when we see things um, that Yeshua says in the New Testament, we kind of have a little extra context for it. So one of the famous verses that, um, you know, I would say your, your regular Christians would quote to those of us that believe in the relevance of Torah Would say that, well, see, Yeshua says, you know, um, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. That's good. It is good, but so check this out. So let's say a man becomes unclean because he accidentally or on purpose ate an unclean thing. There's a process for him becoming clean. He's unclean until evening, has to wash himself, right, and then he can re enter the camp. That's good. What I is, like that. What does Yeshua say? He says that because what goes into you goes out with the draft, right? It goes out with the, right. you know, when you get rid of it, the other side, right? And there's a process for making you clean. But we know that scripture tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the things that come out of our mouth, those things defile us in a greater way because those come from the abundance of our heart. And that's different than just a temporary physical uncleanliness. Um, It was important to bury human waste so the camp could remain clean and holy. That's good. Uh, uh, Basics, man. Sanitary reasons. Yeah, just bury it, you know. Just get it get it out of there. Um, pretty, pretty simple there. I don't think that we need to go through that too much. Um, who walked in the camp in Deuteronomy chapter 23. Verse That's why 14. you don't want him in your camp stepping on poop. That's right. Well, it says here, For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp wow. to deliver thee, and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee, and turn away from thee. It's amazing how God created a digestive system and everything.
2: Because you know, if you go back and look at Yeshua, He loved to eat. Yeah. Oh yeah, I like to eat. He He was resurrected. He's having a fish fry. Yeah. You know, God invented barbecue. People think about it. But but Yeshua loves to eat. Matter of fact, he went to his friend's house a, a week before Passover, and he had dinner with his friends. Then he has the Last Supper, and then we have the Marriage Supper of the Lamb coming up. I mean, I'm telling you,
1: I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm hungry, too. It's the Daniel fast. So we're going to move on here. It is not
2: okay to charge your brother interest. Boy, where's all these credit card comes going to go when Jesus comes back? Yeah. It is not okay to charge your brother interest. Very good. That's an economical little tidbit there. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 21, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require Require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. You know, I find this interesting, Ryan. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, and man, I made a vow. Lord, I'll I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll say what you tell me to say. Lord, just just save me. I'll serve you all my days. I'll love you. I'll never leave you. You know. And so I think that's one of the vows that God just won't let us renege on. He's like, you know what? You committed your life to me, and I saved you. Yeah. And I'm not going to let you get off the hook here real easy. I'm going to, you know, and, and that's why a lot of times, you know, if you're feeling very uncomfortable in your life, there's a lot of discomfort, go back and, and look and see what's going on because have you have you changed course? Is the road that you're on leading to God? You know, ask yourself these questions, you know. Am I really where I need to be? You know, and that's the thing I've learned. You know, if you can't go back, you're right where God wants you. You know, we don't want to birth an Ishmael or move ahead of God, but he's never late, but he's always on time. It's kind of interesting. When Tommy Waller had to get back to Israel, he got back that day, and the following day, they were starting the harvest. And here he was in the States for quite a few months in Missouri, Tommy Waller and Sherry Waller and three of their children. And so he made it back in time for the harvest, which is very interesting. Uh, Oh, here we go. Look at this. It was okay to eat your neighbor's grapes and corn, but it's not okay to put your neighbor's grapes and corn into a vessel. Mm. Okay, So basically
1: so, you can go and peruse through their field as you're walking. A little you can have, snack, you right. know. But you can't, like, go and harvest and fill up a you know, vessel. Right. So there you go. Makes sense. Um,
2: very interesting. Isn't that interesting? Boy, that's a, a form of, uh, what, community service?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just common courtesy, right? Yeah, you
2: that's, a, that's a, actually, I don't know if that's ceremonial or not, or just process uh now we're going to get into a a very uh touchy subject uh in deuteronomy chapter 24 i'm gonna have ryan read verses 1 through 4 this is so important this is in regards to divorce and we're going to get ready to blow your mind on this one because you're going to fall in love with yeshua even more after you hear this
1: understanding that's right it says when a man hath taken a wife and married her and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her Then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it in her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, Her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So here's the premise. A man marries a woman. He divorces her. She
2: gets a get. She goes to be with another man. She cannot come back to the original husband. Because that would be an abomination. So we ask ourselves, my goodness, this is not good. This is not good at all. I mean, here, here it is. We get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Now there's sickness and death. And then he says, hey, I want to marry you in Exodus 19. So he goes into this marriage covenant, and, and, and that's conditional because it's the Mosaic covenant. It's if you do these things, right? So that's what a, a marriage is. It's conditional. On the parties involved he's the greater vessel we're the lesser vessel yeah so what happens is uh, of course God marries the children of Israel at Mount Sinai and then the northern kingdom actually becomes unfaithful commits adultery and actually leaves leaves the marriage pretty much and it, so in Jeremiah 3 8 it says and I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Now, this is public records. This is a fact. God did not divorce Judah. He divorced the northern kingdom, the house of Israel, the ten tribes, Ephraim. He divorced the house of Joseph. That was the divorce. And if you go and even look at, this is kind of interesting as we put this all together. It says right here in Isaiah 50 verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? whom I have put away or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you behold for your iniquities have ye you sold yourselves and for your transgressions is your mother put away mm. now i don't have this cross reference but i want to go from isaiah now to hosea Ooh. and then we're going to go to romans and hosea chapter 3 verse 1 check this out now, this is right before 722 B.C., Hosea takes place. He has Hosea, Hosea and Mary a prostitute. They, have, of course, have three children. The first one is Jezreel, which is legitimate. The next two are illegitimate. So he's stating a, a, a claim here, a case here, and he says this. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. So he's like, listen, I want you to go, okay, I want you to marry this prostitute, which is a picture of the children of Israel. And then he says this, who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And I said unto her, thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. So this this thing about, so I bought her, to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half homer of barley so she went back to prostitution so it's a picture of us ryan breaking the mosaic covenant breaking the torah and now he's going to send his only begotten son yeshua to renew this covenant of marriage so with that where do we find this how could we discover this in romans we know in romans that Paul was literally sent to the Gentiles. So this is what we have here. And this is what it, the caption is released from the law. But what is it really saying? Released from the not keeping of the law. Released from the charges of adultery. So check this out. Romans 7.1. So how is God going to get around this to remarry us, to go back into God? How is he possibly going to do this? Check this out. 7, one in Romans. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Or the question is, a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, That we should bring forth fruit unto God. Listen up, everybody. I got saved in March of 92, and it was an incredible experience in my apartment one evening in March. I don't even know the exact date. I always go back and look at all my journals and stuff. I don't have the exact date, but I know it was March of 92. God radically changed my life. And so with that, I want you to understand something. So how is God going to remarry his children? Well, he's going to come in the person of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, in the flesh, God in the flesh, and he's going to die as a human being, but 100% human, 100% God, and then he's going to restore and renew that marriage covenant back to us. You know, there's a plenty of verses about this story. You know, we think Christianity just began in the new Testament and this and that, and Oh, look, here's the Christians. And, but listen, God's redemptive plan is unfolding before our very eyes. And you were born for such a time as this. So with that, he suffered, died, and was buried and rose again. And that's why we are now betrothed to Yeshua and we have to prove our faithfulness. Even in Hosea, it talks about, I will betroth you unto me. And so, Ryan, this is an incredible, credible discovery that's not being taught in the church that needs to be because it's self-evident. So what do you have to say on that? That's incredible, Ryan. Thank you, Yeshua.
1: Well, it ties a lot of different pieces to the puzzle together, right? So um, you know, a city is likened to a people, people are likened to a city. Jerusalem is, de- is described as the bride adorned, right, um, with her, her garments in Revelation. And so how do we become the people that are inside the city that become the bride, right? How, do, how does that happen? Um, and you know, Paul describes you know just a few chapters later in Romans about the grafting in process and how there's the the olive tree and the breaking off. Hey, don't boast against the branches that were broken off because they were broken off so that you could be grafted in. And if their breaking off was life for you, how much more will their regrafting be you know life from the dead? So what's happening is God is there's there's been a, a scattering, right? That's right. A sowing, so to speak. The diaspora. A multiplication, right? Because what happens when you sow seed? It multiplies and you get tenfold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. Great will be the day of Jezreel. And great will be the day of Jezreel. That's right. So so the way all of this happens is he scatters through this divorce, through this casting off, that's right. Through this putting away. And then in order for him to to take us back, he himself has to come in the flesh. And die in order to release us, so that marrying him From again punishment, yes. would not make us adulterers.
2: And those charges. There's actually a, a reference, a scripture in, 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 in you know, in, in the prophets, the written prophets. It says that the the uh, the divorced wife will have more children than the one that's married. So that's an interesting take on on what's happening as the Gentiles are coming out of the nations unto the Lord. So we're moving on here. Uh, It was not okay for a man to remarry his ex-wife if she had been married to another man after him. It is not okay. The answer is no. No. It is not okay. No. And uh, and how long was a newly married man to remain at home with his wife? One year. One year. You know, this is interesting because if you go back and look at the encampments, they were camped out for nearly a year at Mount Sinai when they got married.
1: Oh, interesting. And then
2: they started the journey. So they were actually... Uh, in a marriage covenant, the Torah, with God, with Yahweh, uh, for nearly a year. As you look at the 42 encampments at Mount Sinai, historically, chronologically, it looks like they were camped out there for nearly, I want to say, close to a year. Uh, and so, like I said, that's uh, that's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Get to be with your bride, get to get to know her, you know. It's a cool thing. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and take uh, page four at the top here, and, and then I'll interject a few things about the...
1: Sure. It was uh, was important to listen to the priest when it came to the plague of leprosy. Um, So let's just say that when you ended up with something that looked like a leprosy uh, and you go to the priest, you want to do what he says because who are the experts on this type of stuff? The priests.
2: Remember when Jesus healed the leper?
1: Yep, and he said, go. Show yourself to the priest. Show yourself to the priest. Man, that is so good. Um, It was not okay to keep a poor man's pledge overnight. Now, this just sounds like it makes sense. A poor man can't afford to give you his coat, so to speak, um, overnight if he needs his coat for the night. So if he right. gives it to you as a pledge in order to, um, you know, work through something with you, you can't keep it overnight. Um, you know, I'm not sure how they means tested the poor at that point, but, you know, I it's guess. It's like your word. You just knew it. You, on a handshake. Yeah, So the stranger, fatherless, and the widow were three groups of people that should be remembered and provided for. Interesting, right? So we understand the fatherless and the widow, and why I think we, we just understand why God would have those people be cared for by the, uh, by the camp. Um, but I think the stranger is important to also recognize, not only because we were strangers in a foreign land, right, in Egypt, uh, but also because the stranger doesn't have a place to call his own, right? So he comes into the camp. That's right. He's a stranger. He doesn't have a way for producing food for himself or shelter for himself. And so it would be incumbent upon the people of Israel to care for the stranger, um, you know, at least while he was there.
2: That's like a stranger that comes in off the street, and yeah. joins us for a little bit, comes in for a little bit, then leaves. Yeah. They should be shown kindness and respect. Uh, you mentioned Deuteronomy 24, verses 17 through 22. But I want to read to you Deuteronomy twenty-four 16. Uh, we're going to add this to our outline because it wasn't on here before. But Mike brought it up. It was a very good point, one of our elders. The father shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Now that's Deuteronomy 24, 16, so everyone's response for their own sin. So I'm going to have Ryan read Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Ezekiel 18, verses 19 and 20 is going to go along with this. And of course, Ezekiel is the prophet, the correspondent there out with the ones in captivity. And Jeremiah was the prophet uh, at home in Jerusalem. Uh, and so once Ezekiel, again, what? chapter 18 Verses 19 and 20, it's a, it's a, it's a cross-reference that just kind of reiterates this. Is kind of interesting as they go into
1: the captivity in the book of Ezekiel. But All right, so here we go. It says, Yet say ye, why doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son, that, uh, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him.
2: And God takes no pleasure when the wicked die in their sins. Man. But he rejoices when the wicked change their ways. He, and that's all part of teshuvah or teshuva. As a matter of fact, we're in the season of teshuva, and it's a customary to read Psalm 27 every day, and, of course, blow your shofar every day to usher that in. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and take uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25 and, and get into some of those
1: points there as we finish up page four here. Sure. So it says, how many stripes could be given to a wicked man? 40. Man, that sounds like a lot. So they would whip someone for like
2: 39 just in case they didn't count right. Uh They talk about and save, but for save for 39. And one for good luck? Well, that means that, <laughs> so they'll do 39, and, Je- and so... In just in case they miscounted.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're the guy getting Say those for 39, yeah. stripes. When you, when you, you mentioned
2: 39, you're, you, so you, you're going to do... You, it's required 40, but you stop at 39 because you might have miscounted. Well, they didn't have to
1: give every person 40. That was just the maximum. So... That's right. How many stripes could be given right, to a wicked okay, man? Okay, got it. And so, what animal was not to be muzzled when treading out corn? Boy, that's the ox. That was the ox. So... In other words, this is a principle of the Torah that's repeated again, I believe, in the New Testament. Yeah,
2: I'll read it. 1 Corinthians 9, 9 is a cross-reference. Mm-hmm. That's what's cool about the Torah, Ryan. There's all these cross-references in the New Testament. Man. I mean, that you could just teach on that alone. You don't need to teach the Torah. Go in the New Testament and say, oh, look at the cross-references. Take everybody back. As many will go to and fro, knowledge will increase. It's mm-hmm. not technology. Yeah. It's God's Word. So uh, Paul tells the Church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 9, 9, for it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? It's like when you're in ministry. You know, uh, I'm in full-time ministry, and uh, and the church takes care of my wife and I and my family. You know, they, we have our health insurance and everything. Uh, and so, don't muzzle the ox. Yeah. Just you know, like when you have guests. You know, uh, my son was saying that he was at a church and the 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 pastor there was talking about he had gone and ministered and nobody gave him anything. Ooh. And so he became very successful. He's a very successful man of God today. And so he made a vow that I will never have a guest here and not give them something. Mm, so it's, it's, a, it's very good. You know, I've actually went out and ministered and didn't receive anything. Yeah. Now, it's okay. Yeah. But I won't go back.
1: Matter of mm-hmm. fact, that
2: church shut down. Oh. So think about it. Yeah. It's all about generosity and respect. Yeah. You know, and honor. Honoring sure. people. You know? Yeah. There's so much to do in all, in that regard. So, Ryan, go ahead and take it from there.
1: All right. So if a man died with no children, was it his brother's responsibility to marry his sister-in-law to produce children in his brother's name? The answer is yes. That's true. It, it so what is, example comes to play in here? This it, brings to mind Judah oh, yeah, and Judah. his sons. And how, Judah and his sons early on. Right. The oldest, Joseph was taken to captivity. Yep. The oldest son uh, died, and then the second son um, you know, shirked his responsibilities, and the youngest son was too young at that point. And then he we have was the whole, too young, yeah. This is the story of Tamar, right? Where you know you are more righteous than I. Um, and this, this also ties
2: into the kinsman redeemer, though, right? It sure does. We could tie
1: this in. That with is the Boaz kinsman and redeemer. Ruth. That is the kinsman. Redeemer.
2: So, Reemer. like, Boaz had to go to the next of kin for for, for Naomi because he couldn't the just tribe take her. of Judah. He yeah. couldn't just take her, right? So he had to find the next one, and, 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 and they had
1: to give up their, their claim.
2: So that's why Boaz took Ruth upon himself yeah. to marry her for Naomi's sake, to be the kinsman redeemer so she can get her inheritance back.
1: Yeah. Well, that's
2: good. It is good. Think about it. It takes a Ruth and Naomi to get an inheritance. Huh. So if Gentiles don't come out of the nations and get absorbed into Israel, the commonwealth, how can we have a full redemption? Oof, we can't. How can we receive any inheritance if, if we don't go through Judah? Yeah. If we don't come alongside Judah and help them and do the things they're doing. Yeah. Cuz if you look at the uh the the if you go back and look at the captivity of the Assyrian captivity 722 BC and then the Babylonian captivity 586 the Assyrians came in and then of course the northern kingdom was taken first then Judah was taken. So Judah's got to come back into the land and then Joseph follows. Right. It's it's a, it's a real
1: simple recipe. And so if a brother refused he would be disgraced in uh, in the case of yeah, if he refused, he would be disgraced. Uh, yeah, Judah's second son, he was actually uh, taken out by the Lord. Um, and then the next point here is interesting. It is important not to have diverse measures. And so this was, you know, when you will go to buy something, you have, you know, your light measures. Um, and when you go to sell something, you have your heavy ones in yeah. order to, to trick that people. That was the Prince of Egypt, that little scene,
2: remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Joseph caught him. That's right. That guy didn't end up too well no no trying to cheat pharaoh he of a did horse. not yeah all right and last point here number 17 who was to be destroyed by the children of israel for the wrongs he had done to them
2: amalek, amalek. the grandson of
1: esau yeah amalek amalek is bad news man amalekites yep agag agag was uh, right agag which is haman haman that's right. Like, and I'll tell you
2: what's, what's evil about the, the Esther story is the fact that that's a genocide. That's not assimilation. Like what's happening today, we, we're seeing some genocide. But it's mostly, let's just assimilate the people. Let's all get along. You see these bumper stickers coexist, different things, you know, tolerate, you know, tolerance and tolerate and all that. But the Amalekites are bad news. You know, the, the Jewish sages say that Amalek is like a person that tries to throw cold water on you when you're on fire for Hashem, yeah. for, for Yahweh. Yeah. They like an Amalek to, to that kind of a person. Yeah. To kind of just, you know, pick at you, you well,
1: know. It's Jew hatred. It's people that just hate, hate the Jews. Um, and the spirit of Amalek is alive and well throughout the earth today. And, um, you know, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. It's, um, it's just crazy, people that just hate Jews. I just don't even understand it. So, um, all right. So last but not least, we have a song for you guys today. That's right. We have a song. We're actually running over a little bit. that's good so it is good it is good it's good to study god's word it's good to get into it and so i just um we're going to close out here now and i'm going to just leave you guys with this psalm but uh i just thank you guys for listening you know the torah um is relevant for today that's right it's it's one of those things that we know from the scriptures that the torah is god's teachings and instructions for mankind and I'm not going to pretend to understand everything oh, or, no. or reconcile all of it or how it works or why it works or any of those things. But I do trust the author. I trust Yeshua himself, the author and finisher of our faith and the author of the Torah. And so I think that it's important for us as believers to press in to apply these things to our lives. Um, the law is not done away with. We should be making restitution. We should be returning things, you know, to people when they've they've lost them. We should be um, doing just the simple things that you know are right. Um, and I just praise God that He's given us, you know, some instructions so that we can can follow His ways, because His ways are higher than our ways. It's just the truth. So, um, if you guys want to uh, contact us, you can email me at Ryan R Y A N Ryan at topraise.net. Ryan at topraise.net. And, um, if you want to live stream our services on Shabbat every Saturday, you can, uh, live stream us on YouTube, on Facebook, on our website at twopraise.net. And also thank you guys so much for all of you that are giving. So, um, we have, uh, this song is another song by Larry Miller. Larry Miller is having some, uh, some health concerns and, um, you know, we just want to bless you guys with some more of his music. Um and uh just you know hear his heart and uh, how much you know he loves the lord and so we're praying for larry we're praying for those things um you know that that god would come through in a big way but uh, we love his music and so we want you guys to enjoy it so enjoy
0: give all glory to we are israel and we celebrate our land honor is yours alone holy one of israel for you are lord and we follow in your plan voices high to praise your name and cry Yeshua HaMashiach Adonai